0: Hello and welcome to the Marketing Times Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Safranis, and today I'm on with Ayushi Agarwal. Ayushi, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hi, great to be here. Thanks, Alex, for inviting me. I'm Ayushi Agarwal. Uh, I am a data analyst at Salesforce. I uh, have been in the data and analytics space for the past five to six years i would say because that's where i did my uh, graduate studies uh, my undergrad and uh, i'm very much working in the marketing data analytics space for the past three years so very excited to be here and chat with alex
0: yeah and we actually did chat once before so you can go back and see our previous episode if you're interested and in this episode i i want to ask you sort of relevant questions as i'm thinking through the future of marketing technology. I just want to make sure I understand how it works and and also get your perspective being part of such a industry-leading company. Can you walk us through just um, the different kinds of database structures that there are just at a high level? What kinds of databases are there that you can use in your business? Um, let's just start there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, there are different databases that uh, different companies are utilizing. When it comes to the software solutions, uh, they are using things like Snowflake uh, for the data warehousing solutions. They are they have Google BigQuery uh, that has come up with their own ML solutions as well. Um, all the different uh, software vendors, uh, Oracle, uh, They all have their database solutions. The structures are very similar. It depends on the platform that you are trying to use or your company is uh, using. I see a lot of data migration happening across the board within different uh, companies as well. So we also were going through a migration very recently. And there are layers to data structures that I would say um one of the biggest things that i see is the data is very disparate that means like things are coming from ga things are coming from in-house uh, softwares for example for salesforce it would be salesforce data for google it would be google data and uh, in-house uh, solutions that the companies have and how we bring together all the data and form uh, different models on top of it uh, and do all the data pre-processing um, that's that's where the interest lies for many data analysts and uh, data scientists uh, to build data on top of it that they can utilize for the analyses. Before we continue, I have a quick advertisement.
0: This is actually on my own behalf. So I was I was in a meeting yesterday. I Worked for Directv. And uh, they were talking about an employee referral program for DirecTV. So if you've been interested in the Direct TV product at all, this is a great time to get it. I know we have a lot of sports, this is a great season. It's getting cold out there in many regions. Uh, so this is for the US. You should definitely consider getting DirecTV so you can stay in and watch some great movies. This is the best super aggregation platform that there is. So you can get all of the different TV services, all the movies, everything, Even the stuff in theaters, you should get it right on your home screen. So it's an amazing product. It's the best TV product there is. So if you're considering getting it, definitely get it. Send me your information, your email name, and what product you want to get to my email in the description of this podcast, and we'll hook you up with up to a $400 uh, gift card when you sign up. Uh, Thank you for listening, and back to the podcast. What are the different categories of ML models that you would want to build on your database? You could have forecasting models, any demand models, financial models. Um, Maybe you have uh, an audience first party segmentation to see how your customers are similar in different uh, aspects. Are there any others you can think of? Can you walk us through more about like how those models are built on that data?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it differs from use case to use case. For example, we in marketing really care about the customer and how we can support the sales uh, teams because sales and marketing in conjunction have to work very closely to, for example, close a deal or get, get more pipe, right? So some of the models that we do are audience segmentation that we've seen uh, forecasting, you, you're right. Uh, there are also models like spike to spend efficiency that determine the uh, efficiency. Some are probabilistic models that determine the probability of uh, uh, generating an opportunity uh, with a particular uh, account or things like that. There, there oh, are- lead scoring. Yes, yes, lead scoring is a big one. Uh, lead scoring is also very tricky uh, because it, needs to be continuously run on a definite cadence because your leads need to be scored for quality and they need to be continuously updated. And there are like different things that come into lead scoring. One is your in-house data, like you said, that is very important, but also the data that is uh, available outside the external factors, for example, what's the size of the company from the where the lead is coming from? What are the different types of softwares that you, they are using? These are all uh, called intent features that determine probability of lead converting into an opportunity or a contact uh, associated with an opportunity. So that's really important. So yes, we do utilize lead scoring models heavily and, uh, yeah, it's 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 very interesting, and with the advent of AI, this is also getting into the analytics space, and not just ML space. It's building models is one thing, but how these models are responding to plain English questions uh, and how fast they are responding to our plain English questions is, or in in a specific language, a uh, question is very important. For example. I've built a probabilistic model but the end user is going to be a marketer who are not very technical in their understanding they are going to ask like okay what is the problem how can i close n number of accounts in x region this would be their question and the model has to understand the backend has to understand what they are asking fetch the right output from a particular model and output that to the end user in the most uh simple way possible so that they can go back and take the necessary actions so that's that's super interesting that's what i think is very latest in uh, data and analytics space it's it's become very conversational from before it was very uh, i would say transactional but now it's very conversational um, and it's people are expecting more and more each day
0: interesting can you tell us more about how those models work for identifying intent. You mentioned install data. So what that would be is like if somebody, if you're trying to sell Microsoft Word to somebody and they have Apple pages installed on their computer, they're a little bit less likely to download Microsoft Word. You might have to work a little harder. Is that what you mean? Um, And are you using, like, what are the different kinds of data that, that are used besides the ones you mentioned?
1: yeah um yes it's right like if they have microsoft installed can they use uh they one thing is that it model can output that they might not use it but it also depends on their past search so if there is a way to check clickstream data for example like which were the ads that they have seen or third-party data for example if we get third-party data for a particular user or a particular company or things like that and also like how they have interacted in the past with your own products have they clicked on some have they attended some campaigns have they downloaded any white papers have they interacted with your website before what were they looking for before right so like the ga data is also really important and also um the interactions like we cannot exclude the calls or the interactions that they have had in person or uh, over email with your sales teams for example that's also really important it also is very important to see what current installations do they have like you said they have microsoft but they do not have apple or, or vice versa so it's very important to see what they have what they are interested in and what how far they can go within their current capacity so where that's where the size of a company comes in like okay that's that's does this company have the resources that we are we need to implement our software solution for example so like all these factors together play a huge role i feel in the model uh models that, are out there and the models have to continuously relearn, retrain themselves to uh, be the best uh, probabilistic model or an ML model for that matter.
0: So is that the difference between standard models that we've done for the last decade and the new models um, that have like AI, is the difference that they're kind of self-learning models where they, they have that feedback loop and they improve and that's what makes them this next level of model, or is there some other innovation that that they're experiencing?
1: I think it's, it's both. I won't say that the models previously were not taking a lot of it into account, but I would say that our conversations on, there is a lot of data that's been generated in the past decade, like you said. Uh, the technology has advanced and i would say that there is so much that has happened over over the past decade in terms of conversations uh, and uh, in terms of development and all this was being trained all these years it it it, it did not happen just overnight it's the outcome of the data that we generated or outcome of the technology that was being created in the past and it was just like learning learning relearning refining and uh and i think it's just going to get better uh for example um uh, when um chat gpt uh was launched it was uh it was very trans- it was like just a conversational tool but now we have um uh, AI building, uh, clicking your photographs, AI uh, uh, doing voiceovers. If like we are recording this podcast right now, I, my, they can learn on train on my voice and someone, some AI bot can speak exactly the way I am talking. So it's like constantly learning and relearning and building on top of solutions that already previously existed. So I would say like the foundation was laid. And then we just continuously, like, built on top of something. And the foundation was strong. That's why the technology that came up, that we came up with is so good. That's that's my understanding.
0: I love that. <clears throat> so you, see, you seem to be interested in AI. I'm curious what you think the next stage in AI will be. How do you see it evolving from here?
1: I feel there's a lot uh, of information available right now i think uh, every company is dipping their toes very very deeply into ai um since uh, the end of last year uh, i think this past year ai has been the word of any tech conference any strategy behind any business decisions any organizational changes anything across the board in every big company or small company. There are tech startups that are getting, that are spinning up every day. I think what I would see is a lot of knowledge, influx of knowledge around AI. Uh, There might be some, um, I see that uh, there are also some talks of regulations being laid around AI. There are like, for example, it's, it's a bit, off track in terms of topic, but it's very relevant. Like for example, there was, uh, there there are artists who are saying that our voices are being trained on AI and uh, there, there are some copyright issues. So I feel like there will be a lot of disruption in a good way, because there will be probably some rules around it or things like that, Or, but I see a lot happening. I, I see like uh, things would be much easier with technology being so advanced, our day-to-days would definitely change and it would creep up in our everyday life, just like uh, any other technology you can say uh, did. Like, for example, ro- robo-vacuums were not very uh, very ubiquitous like 10 years or 15 years, but now every house has them, right? Like you, you do not imagine yourself without a robo-vacuum sometimes. Or like, for example, 20 years before you did not imagine yourself without a social media platform uh today you don't imagine yourself without a social media platform but 20 years ago you did like the, you did not know what that was so like i feel it's going to become very normal and it's going to come into our lives and we are going to ease into it very 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 soon very quickly and without even realizing
0: yeah i couldn't agree more in in, in many ways we already have i think that Uh, There's a couple of evolutions that AI is going to make. One, it's going to have, there's going to be an AI with a fractional credit system where it can pay people for the content that goes into it that is then queried and output. You can charge people when they query the AI and that can, that cost can be then divided between the operating cost and the creator. Somebody's going to do that at some point. Because it's the same model as the social media platforms, and that's why they they got more successful. That's how you like encourage people to to make it work. You have to give some of the money away. So I think that's gonna that's gonna happen. But there's gonna be a lot of lawsuits before then, um, because I, and everybody knows that that's like a big gray area right now. And um, the next evolution will be the next version of the internet. Because what they're gonna do is basically charge you like pay per you it's like a pay per use model like right now the internet seems to be free but it's not you have to pay in your attention you pay google and all these people with your attention so what if there was like another way to get information so the ne- the other way is just using an ai so instead of google it's just an ai and it feeds you exactly what you need It's not a website anymore you're going to you're just asking whatever question you have and if it is a website that you need to be rendered it'll give you that website but the ai becomes the google and you see this already happening because when you ask google a question the first thing that comes up is the ai answer they're already priming us for that and it obviously makes more sense because when you're searching on the internet you just are looking to input a query and output data whatever that data is what whatever kind of information it is so an ai makes much more sense because it can then distribute credit appropriately to people
1: yeah i agree with you one thing that i can think of is very positive is that we don't need to go and search across like 10 links to figure out which one is the best link for our answer and what we are looking for ai would do that for us so it would save our time probably there and If there is something that distributes credit, uh, like you said about fractional credits, that would be great for a lot of uh, people and creators who are looking for that uh, validation because AI is definitely going to make a lot of people's jobs very easier and maybe make things very, very efficient so that we can spend our time more on other things that require more of our brain power. So yeah, definitely, it's a a very good change. And like you said, um, there's a lot to learn uh, and implement. It's just very disruptive at the moment because it's very new. Everyone's getting accustomed to it. And in many ways, we already have without even knowing. So yeah, it's definitely great times to be in.
0: So it's never been a better time to be a generalist because you have this a tool that can sort of do a lot of the disciplinarian work. Like basically like all of the hard work is a lot of that is done by the machine. Like we used to like all think, if you think about tools, they always used to be physical tools. Like we didn't have like into cerebral tools before the last one was like writing. It gives us a little bit more bandwidth, but we haven't had a lot of advancements since then having a tool that can do thinking for you opens up so much more mental bandwidth. So now instead of one thing, like one example is like I have a podcast, I have AI that runs more than half of the processes to create this podcast. I'd like to make it 90% of the processes if I could, because then I can create multiple podcasts. If my only involvement is the speaking part and an AI can do all the production, Now I can create more podcasts and that is the same across everybody. You can now do more because you have something that's doing a lot of the dirty work.
1: Yeah, I agree with you definitely. But I feel like with a lot of efficiency comes a lot of onus on the end users or the recipients of the technology to keep it in check. So the other day I was listening to something, probably it was like a Wall Street Journal podcast, or don't quote me on this. Like it might be something else, like some podcast I was listening to, and they were discussing that AI is not accurate because it's being trained on the data that we are generating. And for example, I do not say hundred percent of the times things that are fact fact checked or factually correct. It's my general conversation. I can I can be saying something that just comes to my mind. It might be correct, might not be correct, but it's trained on what I just said. So the outputs need to be fact-checked. We cannot take it word for word. So I feel like with with the current with the current consumption and overconsumption, there would be uh, definitely a need of things being checked and uh, validated for accuracy truthfulness. And also, it's already happening with a lot of AI tools. I I can't, I can't remember which one was this case with, but a lot of the information that it's outputting is not factually correct. And it, it, and some, some kid did their homework, they took it to the teacher and it was completely wrong. And they, the teacher tried to question the person like, because she doubted something, even though it was wrong, she knew that it was not something that the kid wrote and the kid ha- blurted out like, oh, I just did it from this particular tool. And like, this is this is what would happen if you are just blindly using some of the technologies that are uh, present out there so easily and are very much available. So like, I feel like with this, there would also be definitely a need of some fact checkings, or some some process around how to best consume it in a way that it's not it's not just you consuming it and not seeing what's right because there would be a lot of incorrectness flowing around in that case.
0: I think you're definitely correct for today's day and age but I think that eventually, hopefully there will be enough development in the AI, Um, specifically like the data layer for AI that they'll start to input sort of common sense rules where the AI can start to reason for itself what is reasonable and unreasonable based off of what it's learning. Because if you think about it, that's just like another set of traits that you would build on top of it would be like reasoning traits. It already can put things together and create logic. So it's pretty much already there. To to start looking at what is more or less logical. Do you agree that eventually that will be fixed and we'll have a closer to a source of truth, or do you think that it's always going to be somewhat tainted just because humans are imperfect and in charge of the data?
1: It's interesting. My opinion is that the data would never be ideal. That's that's my understanding. What you get out of the data is the interesting thing. We have to put some checks or rules around our data such that the data that is being used to train the model being utilized in such a way that the model is generating something that's not completely wrong i would say also is very interesting because it's not just logical sometimes it's some things that come into the areas which are not acceptable by a platform to output there are some sensitivities and government laws around some things that cannot be written or some things that need to be taken care of or things like that um so it's very it's very important it's definitely there a lot of these checks are still in my opinion a bit manual still uh, which would need to be completely automated so i think that's gray that's a gray area but i definitely agree with you with time things would become more seamless and the some of the issues that we are seeing right now would be more uh rule based and some of the things that we are seeing right now that are being generated would be would be correct like would be corrected
0: I, I love know. that so and I, and I can see um, the, the, serv- the professional services world and just the services that we all use, the, even the consumer services world, I can see it bifurcating between those who are okay with a general and AI-based service and those who are willing to spend more for uh, what will be m- soon considered like a bespoke human mm-hmm. service where it's like 10 times more expensive to pay a person to do it than an AI. And you may get a 25 to 50% more high quality product than the AI, but at 10 times greater cost, you're gonna see a big, and, a, and those are just random numbers, but I yeah. assume it will be outweighed like that, that you'll see this the services split. Would you agree?
1: Yes, I completely agree with you. And this makes me draw a... Uh... Draw parallels with the fashion industry, for example. Uh, merchandise that's been created, like a cl- piece of cloth that's been created by a machine, is much cheaper than a hand-embroidered uh, clothing, right? So, if you say, if you think, like you started, or you said in the uh, in the middle of this uh, conversation that technology, what was material before, is cere materialistic before is becoming more cerebral that's completely right like we are we are working towards maybe materializing technology or like how we are used to the world world functioning with touchable touchable things or hard hardware things things are now getting into the software space because something that is easy to generate or can be automated is definitely cheaper because it requires less less manpower Less number of hours, it's more automated. Whereas, if you require more state of the art, uh, very unique, because and something that has been touched by a human, or something that has more checks around it, or it's like a curated bespoke solution, you pay for the quality, you pay for that, right? So it's mm-hmm. and it's it's there in every industry possible. I just gave example of one, like, but it's it's there everywhere, and that's what technology might go into and it's it's definitely very interesting to me
0: right like in what's interesting where it starts to get complicated not even that not not in a bad way but sometimes the human services are actually lower quality than the machine services so would the companies keep the the costs flat to make a bunch of money if they know that humans can't do it better. Um, for what I'm thinking is like airplanes, cars, buses. You know, you would have an AI solution that is piloting those. But the humans would actually have possibly like a, a lower a safety um, record than the machines, most likely. I th- I mean, that's the only way it's going to happen is is if they can make it safer so um so that's going to be interesting to see certain services actually get better and maybe get cheaper um, but other services will probably get worse and um we'll have to tolerate that but then they'll get cheaper
1: yeah i think it again is is very different for the kind of service for example self-driving cars right so it's 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 very debatable what is right. Like you you let a human drive a car. Uh, there are so many so many um, papers out there, so many research articles, and so much uh, research turnaround. Like whether it's 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 more safe for uh for an auto automate like for a self drive for a self driving car out there on the roads, or it's more safe for a human to drive a car, or you need some sort of human intervention. I feel like there's also this. Um, cab service in SF, I believe that is the self-driving car and they are doing their pilot around SF. And I think that's very successful. So it's, it's very debatable. It's, I think you're right. It depends on the service that we are. It's, it's very, we would need to compartmentalize where human effort is highly val is more valued than the AI solution versus uh, AI solution being uh, the default. So I, I feel like definitely we would need to look into this more to better understand what is, uh, where you, hum- where to put humans higher or where to put the technology higher in terms right. of the quality of service and the bucks we are paying for it.
0: What is the purpose of AI in your view?
1: For me, it is just to make my day-to-day easier. Um, If in my personal life, if I'm planning a trip before I used to like create my own itinerary or something like that, but today to just get an idea, I just ask chat GPT, like uh, send me a four day itinerary for uh, XYZ and it'll send me it's on me how I want to take it. But I do have like a back end solution like uh, uh, for me ready, like a backup for me ready kind of a thing Mm -hmm. in work if uh, there have been instances where you are you just need like a thought partner and you're you're there because sometimes you're working from home as well and like your teammates cannot be available to you all the time if you need a thought partner you can just give it a vague solution vague question uh, like not a vague question like a question that a similar question to what you're thinking or like just want a thought partner, you can ask it and uh, it would it would help you most times or it would give you a perspective you were not thinking about. Or if you're writing like a paper or if you're writing some gist, it can give you some things. But I would say for me personally, it has not eliminated anything that I was doing before completely. It's just made things more easier. Uh, in a way that I can spend my time working on a blueprint already ready. Like I can okay. work on refining something. I don't have to start things from scratch again. I have something that I can build on top of. For me, it has been that. So I would say it's it's a game of efficiency, uh, and it's 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 been really helpful in that way. But I've seen people people do all sorts of things with uh, AI. So it's it's not just For me it's that, but for people around it's much more.
0: Yeah, I have used AI to replace a process that I did. Every time I hop on an intro call for this podcast, but with the guest before we record, I have an AI sit in on that call and take notes and then synthesize So take that, take those notes and then create questions based off of it and put in those questions to my OneNote And also it'll send me like the social media post and the title and subject and like, uh, you know, the description. So all of the content that I need for that episode right off the bat. And then I also, one expansion is I wanted to send the questions to the guests so they can have an idea of what we're going to talk about. So that's like the full loop of like all the prep work that I need to do. And it's just doing it automatically. And so my goal is to like make my only point in the process, this, like the actual conversation none of like the infrastructure work, you know, the, like the boring stuff that you, you know, that you have to do. Um, That's to me, the best value of AI is taking away those things so I can focus on the value.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. And for that, you would have like wanted to hire somebody uh, in previous times or spent like five to six hours or like, couple of hours of prep work so definitely it's it's made you more efficient that way for sure
0: i want to talk to you about the second brain so this is a i didn't invent this concept the second brain is just when you refer to any sort of technology that you rely on um related to like how you think and what you do so like your notepad would be a form of a second brain or like your notes app Or actual second brain. There's actual second brain like websites where it'll track what you browse or at least make it really easy for you to pin what you browse to this sort of like network of information centered around different subjects. So you can then go back and be like, what was that article about that subject that I was reading? And so it it organizes topics. What I'm wondering is can you create a second brain for consumers at the individual level and try to model out what they are thinking and their intent to purchase and what their drivers are to purchase based off of the information and data they're exposed to and actually build an AI that would essentially be trained on that small set of data to sort of anticipate what's going on in the mind of the consumer.
1: It's very interesting that you mentioned second brain because um, you might already know the book by, yeah go for for uh building a second brain i i recently read that book nice and uh, wow. it's 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 one of the best books i have ever read it exactly cool. me- me- it exactly mentions this like there is a couple of steps process to build a second brain um and it's like your second brain is technically your journal right like you you try to take notes uh, of things that you want to capture or that are relevant to you and it keeps on adding to that journal and it's it's very interesting because uh, like you mentioned choose you can choose your notes app or a capture tool it can be anything and just like write the project areas resources and things that you want to build around it and how you draw inspiration of out of the things that are around you to lead you to do something, something, and just experiment with the ways that works better so as to make you feel more productive. So, and you kind of like review your weekly goals, um, very efficiently with that. So it's it's very, it's very interesting that you mentioned, uh, the second brain concept because it's, it's, it's a really good read.
0: Yeah. And then would you be, and, and I'm assuming the answer is yes, that you can envision a process by which you individually model each consumer. If you have access to a wealth of data about what they are reading, watching, consuming, experiencing, saying you can, have an idea of what they're thinking because we're kind of the like that's the nature versus nurture debate like you could feed in all of the nature stuff and then you can observe all of the nurture stuff so the and the the state of data collection in this day and age is like extremely broad uh broad reaching like you can get almost any kind of data the only question is for whom and because we use, you know, we, because of statistics, we can actually extrapolate. If we understand audience sizes and we understand what are the similarities between those audiences, then we only have to measure very bro- like, intensely a few, a small sample size. Nielsen did this very famously and created, like, all, you know, this TV ratings by basically multiplying the, you know, small demographic into the nationwide population. So it would be very similar. Um what do you think about that sort of the idea of like for a small sample, you build second brains for all of them. So you understand what these consumers are responding to, thinking, and that can actually connect to marketing messaging. So then you can have an AI create the creative for each specific person that addresses what their brain is thinking, worrying about, feeling, what are they going to respond to? What's their favorite color, their favorite everything, and just make an ideal ad for them.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's kind of required with the current, uh, with the current advancements. I think it's already being worked on, or probably implemented in so many ways across the board by so many organizations. So it's it's very much important. Like targeted advertising. This is like a different level of targeted advertising, I would say, and that's what companies are looking to do. So definitely, I think this is either already happening or is soon going to happen. It's it's in my opinion, it would already be under works. Like, yeah,
0: aren't those the best ideas? When you're like, I'm sure somebody's working on that.
1: Yes, exactly. Because I feel like everyone has an end user or a customer or a consumer. Like each business is built and based on customers and their end goal at the end of the day is acquisition or like retention or reducing attrition or things like that. So it's essential for them to build all their technology, tools, strategy, ideas around it. Their entire workforce revolves around it. So this would be, I think, one of the first things like, for every company, I think for every company, customer or their users are the biggest asset or resource. I could
0: see this starting in the prospecting database world, like a Merkle would create something like this, where then you would be able to ask those like mob like second brains any question you want. And it like, it's like having the consumer right in front of you, but like having all of them and then they'll answer any question you want. Like you could say, like, what's your number one reason for not buying this product? And like, instead of having to do a focus group, they just tell you, like, here is what these customers are, don't like, or what's the way to break through to these customers? Well, this is what works. And, you know, maybe, maybe you can like connect the dots and see what they are responding positively to what appeals to them, and then it can recommend
1: that for you. What you are saying is a level playground. If I have this at my company, you have this at your company. So now the groundwork is already laid, right? I think the next big thing would be how you build strategies, having everything you ever wanted. You have all the good data. You have everything that your customer needs all the knowledge, how you're going to strategize to be better than me, for example, like what extra can you provide? Because previously you did not have that. You strive for it, but now everyone has the same information. What I know, my competitors exactly know the same. Now that we have all the data, now it would very much come on the quality of the product that people Mm. are producing. The quality of the software that exists, (laughs) it's it's. Marketing is, gonna, be- marketing is going
0: to optimize itself into extinction.
1: Correct. It's going. So, yeah, it's going to be a very different level field for every every company out there, or like every person out there, every small business owner, a big company. It's it's going to be super interesting. Yeah.
0: Wow. So, because basically, what would happen is. Like businesses would figure out, so, so where we're going, and if I'm, let me know if I, I'm understanding this correctly or if you agree, where we're going is we will eventually know the correct product or service for every individual person. The concept of marketing is the game between selecting a product and fulfilling a need And that game is dependent on the fact that the consumer does not know the correct product. If the consumer does with certainty, there is no more marketing, because it's just telling the consumer this is the one. And I think we may be going there, where the AI will maybe the consumer will have that will say this is the product you need and we're the ones creating that algorithm to tell the consumer that that's the product they need but still like the, from the consumer's perspective there's no there's no decision making they're just like i need a coffee maker well here you go this is the one you need like this is the best one for you we know everything about you we've made the decision for you this is it right then there's no more marketing do you agree that that's kind of the direction that we're going
1: yes however i do feel that if the consumer is human they would never be 100 percent satisfied by one thing they as humans we have a tendency to uh, compare and contrast even if we have all the answers right in front of us uh, and also this would also become a huge uh, there would be a dependency on logistics, supply chain, on the availability, etc. For example, there are so many algorithms which would predict that I'm better suited, for example, for a Galaxy, Samsung Galaxy, right? Uh, I own an iPhone, for example, right? Uh, I feel like the human psyche does not 100% rely on algorithms or solutions that are given to us. We live in a society that is also influenced by what my friends are using, what uh, how how I'm how am I doing compared to my peers or like what others are using? Because, for example, if I have an iPhone, it's easier for me to share photos via iCloud and uh, share data via iCloud, do FaceTime calling and things like that it's, it's very, it's very interesting in the fact that my decisions are not just based on my, uh, characteristics alone. They are influenced by people around me as well on what they are doing, what they are using. For example, if my, uh, if my friends are going to, a Jay-Z consult and I decide to go to a, a rehana concert like i'd be probably the only one alone i would right. i would i would choose to go with my friends if i want to go in a group i can be a big rehana fan and go go to the concert but like it's a higher probability or more quite more likely that i would go to with my friends right so i feel like there are these things that would come in that would influence a customer's decision decision making so we would never be able to predict very confidently or with a very high probability what a customer should have. It would be very. It would be still very uh, facts driven or very algorithmically driven, but we, I don't think we can still say that with very much accuracy. What what is going to happen? Does that make sense? Oh, I totally I totally agree. And I think that
0: the solution is somewhere in the middle where we make a lot of decisions right now that we don't have to make. And those will be fixed. Like I was thinking the day, like why do I have to go to like 10 different stores to get the things that I need? Why isn't there like a thing that just gives, like just selects the best thing that's like the closest to me across all of the stores. There's no like super aggregation for purchases, um, which is really annoying, like as a consumer, there's all these little like traps and loopholes and hoops to jump through. Um, so I think that, and, and you have to like reason through all of that and they have like little like reward cards and they have rebates and they have to, it's this and that. I don't like any of it, right? It's, it's all made to trick us into not getting all of our money. And um, having something that can take care of that stuff, um, the, the sort of day-to-day decision-making would be great. But to the other point, there's chaos. And that's like the beauty in life. And if you, and, and there's a lot of people who do already live, like, and is making the decision for them. Um, so I'm sure that will continue and, and they'll, they will love the, for the computers to make more decisions, but I think you're, you're not like that. And certainly not like that where you, you need to have a certain amount of freedom to innovate, you know, it's, it's jacks, it's, it's improv. So we, you need to be free to, to act within a certain boundary and people will always have that and thus there will always be marketing. But I think we'll go. We'll harken back to the older days of marketing, like the sort of mass propaganda—not not propaganda, but the sort of mass-reaching um, campaigns where you're targeting everybody for these like little products. You know, I think a lot of the volume of advertising is going to go. Like a lot of the, the the signal-to-noise ratio in advertising is among the worst that we experience. You're while driving down the freeway, and you see ads for every single thing that you, you don't need, right? So that's, that's all noise. You get your, all your mail. You don't need anything. You throw it all away. And that's all noise. You're digi- on digital. All noise, right? You make a purchase, and you see the ads. That's all noise. And then, like, you get one thing in the mail that's, like, a gift card or something, or, or like, a, like, a Banana Republic sale that's, like, an extra 40% off. And that one thing, you're like, now that I will use. And so we're just so the future is just going to be more of those, like more actual influential touch points with marketing, and a lot less of the broad, sweeping advertising that you just ignore.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's more back to basics and selling to intelligent, well-informed consumers, customers. You can no longer serve the fluff. Uh, anymore because I feel like consumers are very intelligent. They they know what they are getting into. They they want to spend even if they have like $5, they want to spend at the best thing that they think. And they are ready to wait for it. They are waiting for the quality. Um, So definitely, it's it's very important. And timing is also essential. If I get that 40% banana republic, uh, if I see that at a time when or uh, I don't want uh, to buy clothing or I just shopped at uh, Abercrombie, for example, I, that would mean nothing to me. But if if I am actually going in the mood to shop tomorrow or if it's before uh, a shopping season or something like that or a sale coming up or something like that, that's when it's going to hit the spot the best. So I think it's, it's, it's like selling it, selling it to the right people at the right time, uh, messaging correctly, and also making sure that you're not overdoing it to drive them away, not to drive them away. So it's, it's very interesting. It's challenging, but it's with so much information and things being so convenient for technology, made so convenient for technology. I think this is a new challenge that has cropped up but i feel like this is just one of those things <laughs> companies would uh, definitely find a way around this as well and like it's it's a constant challenge so that's completely yeah everyone should everyone must be up for it already
0: i want to thank you ayushi for coming on and sharing your insights about ai and um, data in the future in business so thank you and um, can't wait to have you on
1: Thanks, Alex. It was great being here again. And yeah, all the best. I look forward to talking to you in future as well. Have a good one. Thank you, Ayushi. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you soon.